This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is Friday, March 6, 2020. And of course, uh, everybody's been glued to the news about the coronavirus, and the market has been very volatile. I find it encouraging a little bit that uh, the market was down pretty strikingly today, but the last hour or so came back about 500 points on the Dow. So that was that's good, because think about it, it's Friday, and if you're really, really worried, if you're an investor or a trader, you're really, really worried. You don't want to hold positions over the weekend where more news of the coronavirus can come out. So why would you rally the stocks the last hour of Friday? So that's why I'm thinking it might be good news. I don't know how good. And, of course, that could turn around in an instant. But I'm just think, I'm just pointing it out. That's all. So the volatility is certainly big, uh, more so than we've seen in a long, long, long time. And we want to all know, is the correction over? And I'll say this, we've only, it's only been about, what, 10, 12%. That is a decent correction. But, you know, a full a correction could be anywhere from a few percentage points up to 20% off the top. And so we've only gone 10, 12%. That's, you know, average. Okay. Even though the, the reason why it feels so bad is it happened over a four or five days time frame last week not this week last week that's what makes it so unusual so we'll be keeping an eye on the coronavirus could it make things bad economically yeah even though we have really good news uh, good job great jobs report today but that's looking backward we don't want to invest looking backward we want to invest looking forward well, that, all this stuff is confusing, and this is why you're listening to the show. We'll try to unravel some of this confusion. And, of course, we're all pointing to that one goal that we talk about, financial freedom. And that's, that's what we're here for, to answer questions, to help you get you there, to help me get everybody, including myself, my employees. Frankly, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I don't need any more money. I mean, of course, I would like more money because... I would be happy to give it away, uh, but remember, I have no children, so my money is going to be given away, but I don't need it, but I certainly like to help people get it for themselves, including my employees, by the way. I want them to be rich. I want everybody to be rich. I really do. I'm Steve Peasley. I hope you'll call me. This is a call-in show. This is Invest Talk, the radio program, and of course, the podcast, and I can help you become a better investor. One way Justin and I are able to do that is implementing our philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So we're going to share our success whenever we have it, and we hope you share yours with us. Our company, KPP Financial, is different from many other investment advisors because we are dedicated to unbiased guidance, parallel investing, meaning we'll buy the same things that we buy for ourselves, we do for our clients at the same percentage, the same price. We put our money where our mouth is. Most Registered investment advisor firms, most advisors don't do that. Most of them. They, I, I, I know very, I don't know any personally that do it. Okay. So 
Time to give me a call. Ready to answer your investing questions, your financial questions, anything financial, anything we'll talk about. Or anytime listener line, listener line is open and I'm ready to take your calls live at 888-99-CHART. So let me remind you, Justin Klein will be traveling to San Jose on March 20th to meet with uh, registered listeners who... You know, understand the value of receiving our own no-cost, no-obligation KPP financial portfolio review. So he's still doing that. If you want to sit down with him, uh, sit down with Justin for a personalized consultation in San Jose on March 20th. Register now on investtalk.com. And I'll be back up there as well. Um, I'm going to be traveling to a number of different cities this year, and but I will be returning to San Jose. My main talking point today concerns the story about some are some of the world's largest economies on the brink of recession, and the answer is yes. <laughs> but we're going to, but are we? See, there's the big question. You know, I always felt that you know we might avoid the recession this year. And be put off because of it's an election year, but this coronavirus has thrown off a lot of estimates, a lot of doubts been put into the economics of the world. So now it's hard to. I'm I'm hesitant. We we could go into recession this year. It's possible. I think this uh, this. Uh, Maybe not this quarter, the March quarter, because the end, of, the first quarter is going to be ending very shortly here, the end of this month. But this next quarter, I think it's going to be difficult because not because of us, but because of other countries and they're, 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 the coronavirus shutting them down because of the fear. The fear is way overblown, everybody, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I really think that you're going to find that this is going to be pretty much like a, a flu epidemic and I think you're going to find there's going to be a a, uh, uh, a, a some kind of uh, medicine that's going to keep this from getting too out of hand some kind of um, inoculation of against the coronavirus because they're working on it very diligently and very fast very fast, and I also think that the the uh, the uh, death rate, the rate of uh, people dying, is going to be much closer to one percent than people throwing out their two and three and four percent. And um, also, there's misinformation when the say the flu is one tenth of one percent uh, mortality rate, one tenth of one percent. They're talking, they're comparing that with the entire population of the United States when they talk about the coronavirus. They're talking about the, the, the death rate of the people that have the virus, not compared to the whole United States. So it's, it, the denominator of your percentage is all wrong. And that, I'm, not, I'm not making that up. I'm not saying that just to calm you down. I'm saying that because that was stated by the Health and Human Resources, some guy in charge of that, uh, yesterday afternoon or early this morning, saying that you know the calculations are not nearly as accurate, and we don't really know what the calculations are. But he felt it was going to be much closer to like a one percent. It could be 0.4, I think he said, to one of the overall population once it's spread out, and it is going to spread. That's no doubt. I'm I'm guaranteeing that it's going to spread, and it's going to be the reaction by consumers. That's going to be the the signal to tell us if we're going to go into recession or not. Consumers keep spending, we'll be fine. But there's hints that they may start 
staying home, right? We know that. Anyways, my main talking point today is about that. Our economy is on the brink of recession. But let's go ahead and get a call in. Let's go ahead and talk to somebody. Let's talk to Robert in Vancouver. How you doing, Robert? Oh, not too bad, Steve. How are you? I am doing pretty good. Um, I'm trying to, you know, keep my head above water and not be too depressed about the coronavirus. Well, the oil prices are really depressing me right now. With the yep. OPEC meeting, it looks like it fell through. Russia doesn't want to want to cooperate with the production cut. And nope. Occidental Petroleum went on a free fall today. And I'm just wondering, is that company now, like, is it now set for bankruptcy? I mean, is Exxon and, like, Chevron, is everything now going to be sales spinning down? I mean, I know you talked about buying it and buying it on the show over and over again, but, I mean, is this now over for oil? I mean, are we now looking at, like, okay. doom? Well, think about what you're think about what you're saying, Robert. You're, what you're saying tells me that I need to buy some oil stocks. What you're saying, why? Because you're demonstrating the the fear uh, that's out there, and I, I'm not trying to put you down or anything because a lot of people feel like you do. That's why the stocks are being crushed, right? A lot of people feel that. Trust me. Uh, Occidental Petroleum, symbol OXY, has a 24 billion dollar company. They make money. They're going to make 92 cents a share next year. They made a dollar 45 last year. They made. They're going to lose a penny a share this year. Okay. They don't have a lot of debt, and sales growth went up 42 percent. The reason why I've been suggesting large integrated oil companies, not just companies that explore and drill, or I like the large integrated companies. <laughs> Because there's different areas of profit margin, drilling, getting oil out of the ground, then refining it and selling it to either you or me or wherever, and you know selling off the gas when they find gas when they drill for those oil. These companies are not going to go out of business. These big oil companies, no, not happening. So if they're not going to go out of business, do you think the world is not going to use oil anymore? You think that they're going to stop using gasoline? You know, it's just that the demand for the short-term period is going to be soft. And OPEC is trying to reduce some of the production to try to keep the prices high. And they can't do it. You know why they can't do it? Because we, the U.S., is not part of OPEC. And we are the world's largest producer now. So prices have been low, and I think they're going to stay fairly low. But the companies are not going to go out of business. Big oil is not going to go out of business. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we present this program with five new shows each week, Monday through Friday, and it broadcasts and streams live from the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time. I hope you'll tell your friends and family and everybody else that you come across to listen to the show. Justin and I do our best to make it interesting and instructive. So, give me a call. We're live right now, 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Friday. The weekend is here, or almost here. The coronavirus is affecting the markets, but Steve Peasley is on the job and ready to take your questions. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. 
888-992-4278. Love to talk to you. And as you know, each Friday, I run down some of the key benchmark numbers. 10-year Treasury. Have you seen what that did this week? It's now a 0.67% interest rate. You hold a 10-year U.S. government bond, and you get two-thirds of a percent a year. That is an historic low. Never been that low. Now, it did move up to 0.699 by the close. Okay, the two-year Treasury is 041 so there's no in, no inversion between the two-year and the 10-year. Gold was up uh, $16 an ounce a day, $1,684. Oil was at $43 a barrel. Pretty low. Pretty darn low. Did you know uh, Saudi Arabia's uh, cost to, to, to uh, remove a, a, a barrel of oil is like $8 per barrel? And it's selling for $43. Problem is, is Saudi Arabia is whole government is run by oil, and they have a lot of freebie stuff out there, and you know their deficit is growing. Um, um, the the fracking oil they've done here in the United States, I think that's much closer to the forty dollar or fifty dollar barrel cost. I think maybe I'll look that up and see if I can get some more information. Gasoline, $2.40 a gallon. Now, think about that. You people are not paying as much, nearly as much for gasoline, so they'll have more money left over to buy other things. And be very well, when you see, be very careful when you see uh, retail sales going down. Is it caught because gasoline prices fell or the buyers are really not buying anything? See, we're going to have to separate that when we get the reports in. Okay, so that's kind of important. The Dow Jones Industrial reached an all-time high on February 28th. Did you know that? Not that long ago. And the market's down about 12%. We're not near a bear market. That means the markets have to go down 20%. Okay, so today is the 11th anniversary of the bottom of the bear market, 2008 bear market. Remember that? 11th anniversary. And that started a bull market run up. On the next Invest Talk, the story how the mortgage refinance boom helped drive down the 10 year Treasury yield. Refinancing means that homeowners are paying off their loan principal early. That's Story Monday. But for now, I'm Steve Peasen, ready to take your questions at 888 99Chart. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with Klein Investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Carlos, and I was calling in regards of the X ticker YEXP seems like a good uh, growth opportunity for what I've read but I would just like to know your opinion thank you so much have a great day okay this is a small cap company 1.65 billion dollars so not too small but small the larger of a small cap company provides platform for business to manage their digital uh, digital knowledge in the cloud sync it over 150 services well that is a popular sphere right it's popular space um and it's growing pretty fast 28 30 percent per quarter sales 
But the sales are pretty small still. 81 million in the most recent quarter. That's pretty small. Okay, for a $1.6 billion company. Um, they haven't made money. They're not going to make money this year. They're not going to make money next year. Therefore, you know how would I think about that. You don't buy companies that don't make money. It IPO'd in, Mar- in 2017. Uh, they're going to lose 31 cents next year. That's they, they lost. They're going, they're going to lose 46 cents this year, and they lost 48 cents last year. So they're going to lose 31 cents. It's a 14 dollar 41 cent stock. I wouldn't buy it because I don't like buying companies that don't make money. I never understood that. Why would you remember? You're buying the company. You own the company, so you're owning it hoping that it will make money, and it may well make money because it's growing its sales. But for me to invest a company that you don't know intimately, and I don't, you know, I, you know unless I worked there, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't invest in it. If I worked there and I knew exactly where the trajectory was and who the competitors were and whether we were the, on the leading edge and all those things, maybe I would. But as an investor, I don't know these things. I'd have to do a lot more research before I'd be comfortable. If you're going to take a shot on a company like this, and I'm not saying you can't, do it with very little of your money. So if you lose it all, it's not going to hurt your investment portfolio. I personally would not invest in it because I don't know enough about it. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's just too expensive for not making any money. Yeah, I know it's $14 a share. That's expensive when you compare it with how much money it doesn't make. It loses money. My main talking point today concerns the story of some of the world's largest economies on the brink of recession. That's a question. Are they? Yes, they are. It's pretty simple to see. Um, Japan, uh, their third, uh, the, which is the third largest economy, shrank 1.6% in the fourth quarter of 2019. Okay, here we are in the first quarter. You think they're going to... Get out of that? I don't think so. How about the biggest economy in Ger- in Europe, Germany? What is it doing? Okay, before the coronavirus outbreak, it, you know, the economy was dragging already, struggling. The factories are struggling. Remember, it's an export country just like Japan is. And where are they exporting? To China. What's happening in China? Their growth is slowing. So they're, literally a lot of the countries around China are suffering because of what's going on in China. Remember, China is an engine of growth. And so is India, by the way. And they're slowed in 2019. Their GDP slowed. So now we have this coronavirus. How much slower is it going to be? So, yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of European countries going and a lot of Asian countries are going to be in recession. The question is, will it drag us? Now, why am I saying it's possible that we're not going to be dragged into it? Because we're not. I think our exports represent about 13% of our economy. 13%. Our economy is dominated by the consumer, and it's what the consumer does inside our country which matters. I do think we are going to slow. I think we could very easily uh, go into a quarter of shrinkage. That wouldn't surprise me. But remember remember the definition of recession. Two quarters in a row of shrinkage in the economy. So we'll see if that happens. Okay? 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. I didn't get a chance to talk about my talking points. Um, I was going to talk about Germany's factory orders, which are, you know, 
was surprisingly up in January. But mm -mm. I want to talk about the mortgage rates. I think that's important. And mid and late careers at risk. So to, if you are in your middle age or, or late uh, middle age, your career is at risk. Why? What can you do about it? So those are going to be my talking points. I also had an email question. Hi, Steve and Justin. I've got a question about Ford. I currently have 100 shares in my portfolio. It was gifted to me. What should I do with it? Ford. Symbol is F, everybody. And we're going to get to that. We'll get to that after the break here. I will get to Ford. Now, today is the 11th anniversary of the start of the bull market, which it is. March of 2008 is when it bottomed. Uh, that was, I mean, I'm sorry, 2009, 2009. So, I have a trivia question for you as we go to break. In 2020, the Dow has already registered swings of 3% or greater on five occasions. So, how does the volatility compare with, for example, 2008? Or for that matter, that pretty deep correction, almost a 20% correction in 2016. How does these gyrations compare? We continue after this break. But now we're taking your market and financial questions live. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. You are listening to Invest Talk. The health of your financial future may depend on the decisions you start making now in 2020. Steve Peasley is here, ready to provide his unbiased investment guidance. 888-99-CHART. Okay, we had a trivia question before the break, and it's all about volatility. And I hope you remember I've been warning about volatility before we saw big volatility here this year. But the question was about volatility, the number of days that the Dow Jones has swung 3% in a day. How many times? And we had had five times so far this year. So how does that compare to other years, 2008 when the big bear market was here, or 2016 when we had a pretty deep correction? Okay, here's some of the numbers. In 2020, there's been five so far. Of course, the year is still pretty young. 2019, you only had two. All of 2018, only five, and he had none in 2017. How about uh, 2016? Only one. And that was a, we had a 20% correction that year. Okay? So what about 2008 when we had the bear market? How many times did the Dow Jones swing 3% up or down? 38 times. 
We've seen five so far. 38 times in 2008, 15 times in 2009. Remember, volatility, many times, large volatility happens prior to a change in direction of the market. So we could move into a bear market. This could be the first signs of a bear market. That's possible. So let's don't let's keep that in mind. Right now we're not. We're only in a correction phase. Um, and I think, remember, I, I'm a I'm a buyer of a bear market. I, I you know I it's just it's hard to know when we uh, where how deep. No one knows that how how far down. So that's why I say, well, you can start to tease in it a little bit after a ten percent correction. You know, because you don't know if that's it or is it going to go to 20. If it goes to 20, you buy a little bit more. If it goes four beyond 20 and now you're in a bear market, keep buying. Yes, you're losing money on those you bought at 10% because you're going down more. But that's the smarter thing to do than keep selling because you no one's going to ring a bottom at the bell. No, And the market will shoot up really quick at some point. But it no one knows that point. Think about it. 2008, the market fell 50%. 2009, the market went up 100%. Now, that's kind of unusual, but that's what happened. Yeah. So, where's the bottom? Do you know? I don't. Okay, let's go to Ankit Fremont. He has a question about the market. Ankit, uh, what about the market? Hi, Steve. Very nice, uh, very nice to talk to you. So, I know about all this volatility and I've been planning to invest in the downturn side. And I really like your Mm -hmm. ideology about having core holdings and not allocating more than 5 to 8% in a single stock, right? So, I mean, Mm -hmm. if I do that, I'd potentially have like 16 or 17 different equities. At that time, am I not spreading myself too thin and am I better off investing in one of the index funds dividing into international US and uh, some bonds or like how do how do we how do you propose one decides going one way or the other okay good question uh, my rule is three to five percent per individual stock position not not five to eight three to five percent. 8% if you're buying an ETF or index, I don't have a problem 8% or more. You know, you, you can do them higher on, on those because they're already diverse. But if you're going to have a, a group of stocks, 3 to 5%. We here at KPP, we, we concentrate on 3%. Uh, that gives you between 20 and 30 or so stocks. So you're, you're, you're getting a little bit better diversification that way. And, you know, if you want to own stocks... And you don't, you know, you can own a handful, but the fewer you own, the more risky it is. And then you can always diversify into the ETFs, the, the index funds or a sector using ETFs, and you get a broader spread of the risk. You can do that. You just have to understand what you're doing. So um, the smarter thing is, the smart thing is to make sure you're in different sectors and not too overloaded in any one sector. And I, and I usually use between about eighteen and twenty percent in any don't no more than eighteen to twenty percent in any one sector. And yeah, you're going to have sectors that go up and some that go down. But you know, if you want to balance your portfolio, that's how you're going to you're going to do it. 
Why would you balance your portfolio so that you will at least catch the sectors that are in favor uh, and when they become in favor? Because there is sector rotation going on there. And you can be, you know, you know it's it's just difficult. It's not as simple as, it, as everybody thinks it is to get a very good sound portfolio. Core holdings are those stocks that are blue chip in nature, pay high dividends, and you know that they're not going to go anywhere. They're not going to go out of business. They, they, they always increase their dividends every year, and they grow their earnings and sales, maybe not very fast because they're so big, but they generally do grow. That's a blue chip core holding to me. Anka, thanks for the call. The KPP Premium Newsletter, distributed subscribers every Friday, did it this morning. I got up really early this morning. Um, you know, had uh, my, my father-in-law had broke his hip. He's 94 years old. And so we had a long day yesterday, and so I had to get up. I might as well got up early. So, so you know, I had to. Anyways, so but we sent out the newsletter this morning, and I always give you a little brief synopsis of it. And of course, I talked about volatility and the coronavirus, and we had to. But I also pointed out the good economic numbers. And what's really, uh, what will save us, if anything, is going to be housing, by the way. Housing. Jobs report was huge today. Much better than expected. But remember, that looks backward. But the housing report, housing could save us because, remember, the mortgage rate is tied to the 10-year treasury. The 30-year mortgage rate is tied to the 10-year treasury, and here it is, two-thirds of 1%. So the mortgage rate came down sharply this month, this week, and I think it's going to continue to go down. That will be very helpful. People will refinance. They'll have more money in their pocket because their mortgage is going to go down. When they refinance, they'll probably take some money out and fix up their house or buy a new car or do something with it. That's very good economically. So the consumer is what you're going to need to watch. We always watch the consumer, but I think we really need to keep a sharp eye on the consumer. He, she, spending money. But we had a huge jobs report, 273,000 new jobs. The unemployment rate fell to 3.5%, which is the record, the low. When I say low, I mean the low, the low. It's never been lower. So, you know, a lot of good information in, in, the, in the newsletter. Portfolio management uh, talked about, you know, the market being uncertain and extremes and diversification and what you should do and how to manage a portfolio. That's what that whole section is about, managing a portfolio. How to do it. It's, you know, it's, it's a teaching section. And, of course, I gave a couple stock ideas. You know, do we... Do, what stocks did you buy? Why? And I every week we give you a couple ideas. And this is not recommendations to buy these stocks. This is a recommendation to put them on your watch list. Do your own homework on them. Dig dig a little deeper. And you know, most of the time, many, many times, there's a lot of core holding type stocks there. And that's what I put in there today. One was a utility. One's the world's largest biotech medical company. Can you guess which ones those are? I bet you you could if you tried. Consumer watch. Talk about the Federal Reserve, mortgage rates, and whether you should refinance, and what's going to happen. So I think you got to think about it. I really do think you got to think about it. So there's a lot of valuable information in the KPP Premium Newsletter, and it comes out every week. And it's easy for you to subscribe directly to investtalk.com if you want. 
And after subscribing, you'll receive the full report each Friday directly in your inbox. Okay, uh, and I hope that the, this information raise, raises questions in your mind because you should. I encourage you to reach out to myself or Justin and ask questions. You can call our Irvine office in California if you want. Um, I'm going to be in various parts of the country this year meeting with people and, you know, would love to talk to you. So send you can send me an email. Just go to investtalk.com, hit the contact us button there, and that sends me an email. Okay, let's grab another caller question. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Jacob from New York. Uh, great show as always. I appreciate everything you do. Just wondering for a younger person, let's call it 30-year horizon, what's your general sense on whether they should be in international developed funds and emerging market funds, so, you know, the Vanguards, the VEA or EEMs of the world, or do you think that they should be more in mutual funds that are kind of managed in those areas, maybe general allocation percentages that your thoughts are on this area? It's always interesting to see what people's thoughts on how much international exposure you should have versus U.S. exposure, particularly in this market. Uh, looking forward to hearing you on the radio. Thank you. Bye. Well, generally speaking, I like emerging market exposure for most young investors, and I would say no more than about 10% of your portfolio. Um, when you talk about international exposure, if you realize that the S&P 500 companies, that over 50% of the sales and earnings come from outside the United States, not inside the United States, outside the United States. So these big companies are international in nature. So you can buy U.S. companies that are international companies. Matter of fact, international mutual funds or ETFs are full of American companies. Full of. So don't think you don't get international exposure by buying a you know an, an index fund in the S&P 500. You do. But if you want specific country exposure, you can do that through an ETF that many countries have exchange-traded funds for that specific country. Like if you wanted to be in Japan, it's, I think it's EWJ. You know, and I think that's Japan. You know, their index. China, FXI, I think is one of them. There's several of them. Yeah, you know, so depends on what you're after. Okay. So before the bottom of the hour break, I teased an email question, okay? And it was about Ford. So let me finish that if I can. Someone inherited 100 shares of Ford, and they wanted to know if they should sell it. And this is Samantha is her name. Because she would like to buy Disney, D-I-S. And she said, I want to know if she should sell Ford to buy Disney. Now, of course, they're two very different companies. And if you were going to give me a choice, I'd rather have you own Disney than Ford. Ford is, of course, now at $6.49. So it's got crushed by 6.75% this week. <laughs> so, so, um, and it's an auto company because they're very cyclical. The auto industry is very, it's very sensitive to the economic cycle. And the worry is, is that we have topped and now we're rolling over because of this coronavirus. Whether that's true or not doesn't matter. The reality is, is, is investors are reacting to it. And don't dismiss investors. They're a pretty sharp group of people. You know, so I wouldn't dismiss that. Meanwhile, if you bought Ford today, you would earn 9.2% dividend yield. Is that dividend yield in jeopardy? They make a dollar, they're going to make a dollar eight this year, dollar twenty eight next year. And if it's a six dollar and fifty cents stock, they're going to pay, they, 10% would be 64 cents a share. 
okay, and it's paying 9.2, and they're going to make a dollar eight and a dollar twenty eight next year. So the dividend is probably sustainable. Ford could sustain it. So do you buy one and sell the other? Well, selling Ford right now means you're going to be selling it at the bottom. Uh, and 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 if you ask me, is it going to stay at the bottom? Well, how long? That's really the question. How long is your money not working for you? I mean, it could take a year. It could be. It could start bouncing up tomorrow. Disney is also going down, like the rest of the market, but they're going down a lot slower, and they are not nearly as cyclical as stock as Ford. But they are going down. It actually rose today. It was up 1% today. But, you know, take a look at the charts. You'll see that they both got hit. Disney less so than Ford, percentage-wise. But both of them are oversold, so both of them are probably going to bounce here at some point. Um, if you were just asking me, as I said at the, at the beginning of answering your question, I like Disney a lot better than Ford. So, just my opinion. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Germany's factory orders, okay, for January, up 5.5%. So it looked like things were turning up for Germany's factory. Remember, they're an export country, so they built things and exported. Year over year was up 1.4%. That was ending a two-year slump when it was shrinking. So everything looked up. Then the coronavirus. So they have a pretty huge exposure to China. Germany. So, and what's really interesting to me, which I think is monumentally stupid, Germany's government has taken a wait and see kind of attitude. Wait and see? Okay. So, in other words, you don't want to be proactive. You want to be reactive. Okay. That's what you want. We'll see how that works out for Germany. Remember, Germany represents 20%. Germany's economy represents 20% of the EU. So, it's a pretty big influencer of the rest of the EU. Germany is the largest exporter, and they live and die on exports. So, we're going to see how that works out for them. I think it, I think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom, as you know. And our work continues after this break, so get your questions in now at 888 99 Chart. On the next Invest Talk, how the mortgage refinancing boom has helped drive down the 10 year Treasury yield. That story Monday. But now the Anytime Listener lines are open and Steve Peasley is here and ready for your questions. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Yeah, hi, this is Gabriel calling from California. I had a question regarding HYG, the high-yield ETF. I'm thinking of adding a little bit of it to my bond exposure there, just to balance it out and get a little more yield. What is your thought on that? As uh, Once again, H. YG as a, I'd say about 3% of my overall portfolio just to get some yield and some bond exposure within my bond uh, allocation. Thanks. 
Okay, this change, uh, HYG uh, is iShares, iBox, a high-yield bond. Uh, Exchange-traded funds seeking investment forms corresponding to the market iBox USD liquid high-yield index. Okay, let's talk about junk bonds versus quality bonds or investment-grade bonds. Junk versus investment-grade. These would be junk bonds. Now, don't take the word junk to mean that, oh, my God, that's just bad stuff. Not necessarily, but... I would not invest in it, even though it pays a 5.1% dividend. I wouldn't invest it now because that's not enough for the risk that you're taking. In a recession, which we haven't seen since 2008, high-yield or junk bonds have a huge, a lot more defaults than investment grade. I mean, investment grade is like, one to three percent, I don't know exactly, and junk bonds in a recession are reaching 20 percent default rate, meaning you don't get your money back and you're not getting your interest. So, you're not getting paid enough interest now, even though it's high at 5.1 percent, to take that risk, if, especially if we're moving into a recession, which I'm not predicting. I'm just saying, you don't want you want to buy junk bonds at, at the depth of a recession. Because that's when their interest rates are the highest. And once they've already, you know, when they're coming out of that recession, you know, those those junk bonds that survive, the companies that survive that, means that you'll get your money back and you'll get your yield and the yield will probably be much higher by that time. Yields are way too small, too thin on junk bonds. Yeah, I know it's hard to get any yield at all. It's very difficult. I get it. Believe me, I get it. I prefer right now to be right on that edge between investment grade and junk because that's where you get your highest yield and get your a pretty good safe return. I've, ne- I've never bought a bond that's gone under for my bond programs in my balanced income program. I never have had one that has defaulted on me. So, and I, I'm, I, if you stay very close to there, you're getting the good quality company and pretty good yields. Because I don't want to take risk, very much risk in that area. Good question, though. Really good question. So, mortgage rates fell to the all-time low 30-year mortgage rate to 3.29%. In 2012, the low was 3.31%. So, it's a 3.29. Remember, it tracks the 10-year treasury. And, of course, it's at three-quarters of 1%. So, keep an eye on that 10-year treasury. If it keeps falling, it's going to drag down the 30-year mortgage rate. And now, should you refinance? Well, there's several factors you have to consider. How long have you been paying off the current mortgage? Uh, When's the last time you refinance? At what rate? And will 3.3 or so... It save you enough money to make it worthwhile. Is there any closing costs? You know, and how much is that going? How much is that cost? And will, how long? How many years will it take you paying less monthly mortgage to make up for that? Yeah, you know, those all those kinds. You got to ask those questions, and you got to answer those questions, and you got to understand what they mean. So take may take your time. I think low mortgage rates are here to stay. Um, and you don't have to be in a big rush at all. Okay. So, one more point. I wanted to talk about when you're middle age or late middle age and you're in a career, and that career is going to be at risk. Why is it at risk? Several reasons. Technology 
is passing you by. The gig economy is here to stay. Globalization is here to stay. The new tech world skills that you might have are probably pretty narrow. And your network is limited. You have an old mindset. You got to be careful of all those things. So be very, very careful. You got to think about, you know, are you going to be able to keep your job? I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investor program. I will return Friday. Well, not Friday. I'll be here Tuesday. On Tuesday, I'll be here back Tuesday for the next Investor. Justin Klein will be here on Monday. Okay, and please tell your friends about our podcast, Invest Talk, and you can download it by iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and of course, investtalk.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you Tuesday. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.